Is Kevin Durant a great, great player? And let me tell you something. I don't want to badmouth the dude, but I'm, I try to tell y'all, all these bus riders, they don't mean nothing to me. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I have one thing I want to mention at some point tonight. I want to get this off my chest, and we might as well do it now. Uh, before the show gets rolling and before we get into the draft and the Brewers and the Bucks, So we're getting a new album tomorrow night from Future. I brought this up on Ebo's show when I speak with him on our Madison station, The Zone, W-O-Z-N. There's two pictures in the studio that I occupy, the Wisco Sports Show studio, uh, sponsored by... Uh, we don't have a sponsor. Could be you. Hit me up. There's two pictures in here. Craig Council, stoic on the wall, and then next to him, there's a picture of Future, who is the greatest rapper alive. Future is putting out an album tomorrow night, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but we got the track list today. There's 16 songs, and I'm looking at all of them, and I know which two songs are going to be the best ones. I guarantee I put money on it. When Certified Lover Boy came out by Drake, we talked about it. I, I feel like we had the perfect read on that album. We knew what we were getting. Two songs. Number four has got Gunna and Young Thug. That's going to hit. That's going to be 10 out of 10. And track 15, I'm on one featuring Drake. Just put a bookmark in that. We're going to come back to that next week, and I'm going to be like, these two songs are the best songs on the album. What did I say last week? I have a sense about these things. I bet money on it. There we go. Music discussion over. Let's do the sports thing now for the next two hours. This is the Wisco Sports Show. (laughs) My name is Grant Bills. Tonight's going to be a lot of fun. This sports week is so busy. I feel like I'm missing things. I have no plans on Saturday. A bunch of my friends are going out of town, so I don't think I'm going to have anything to do. Maybe play some PlayStation and just kind of lay low, clean the house, which I'm looking forward to because I feel like as this week passes by and we're already to Wednesday, there's so many things I'm missing. I'm neglecting the Brewers a little bit this week. As much time and energy as I'm putting into the draft, I still feel like I'm missing things with the draft because there's only so much I can absorb. And then the NBA playoffs. The first round is in full tilt right now. I feel like the Sixers are actually maybe blowing this to the Raptors, and I barely paid attention to it because we've been talking about the Bucks and all these other series. So with so much going on this week, I'm excited for Saturday because I can sit down and catch up. And then come next Monday, we're going to be ready to rock and roll. We can talk about the Packers' new players, the draft class, the Bucks and the Celtics, all this. But I'm flying by the seat of my pants this week. We're going to do our best to cover as much as possible tonight, talk a lot about the draft, a little bit about the Brewers. And at 5 o'clock, a real treat uh, Eau Claire, Sports Talk 105.1, and The Zone in Madison are going to drop off for the Brewers. But the show is going to keep going here in Lacrosse because we have the Bucks on WK2I tonight, the Wisco Sports Show affiliate here in Lacrosse. Now, if you are listening elsewhere, you can listen to the stream. Go to WK2Isports.com, whatever radio listening app you have. Just search WK2I and keep listening. But we're going to do a lacrosse hour. We're going to have Slow News Day. We're going to talk about this piece that was written by Brian Gutekinst. Uh, by Kyle Farmer. Who was it? It was in the Lacrosse Tribune earlier this week. It was at uwlax.edu.com. Kyle Ferris. Uh, It's awesome, and I want to share a little bit of that with you. That'll be after 5 o'clock sometime. We're going to hear a little bit from Brian Gutekinst, his presser earlier this week, and we're going to talk to Coach Andrew McGlenn of the UWL football program who played at UWL a little bit after Brian Gutekinst 
has met him, has coached and ran events alongside him. So we're going to talk to him about the draft and Brian Gutekunst and just lacrosse. That's coming up at 530. So if you aren't in lacrosse and you want to keep listening, find a way to stream. Get ready. Uh, The 5 o'clock hour is going to be a lot of fun. Like yesterday, I want to very quickly react to last night's NBA games for five or six minutes, and then we're going to get into the draft big time. I want to talk about the draft and focus mostly on the draft, but some of these games are so interesting, I don't want to let them just slide by without talking about them. So last night, a couple of games. Hawks heat. That series is a joke. Jimmy Butler's resting. The Hawks suck. And Trey Young sucks. Trey Young had a horrendous series. These are his shooting splits. Ready? 1-12 at in game one for eight points. 10-20 at in game two for 25 points. 6-14 of in game three for 24 points. 3-11 of for nine points in game four. 2-12 of for 11 points in game five. And for the series... 7 of 38 from 3. That's 18.5%. The Hawks should be a really fun team. And they just aren't. And not all of that is Trey Young's fault. There's limitations when you're that small. You can't really be expected to hold up too well defensively. It's just the structural way of basketball. If you're tiny, you're going to get picked on. So the rest of the team needs to be better defensively. The coaching staff, everything needs to be better with the Hawks. But it starts with Trey. Just disgusting. Yuck. Gross. Ugh. So I'm glad the Hawks are down. They're supposed to be a fun team this year. They weren't. They provided no resistance for the Heat, which is a team that I detest. But now the Heat hopefully will be challenged in the second round, and we can start to talk about some of the reasons why I don't like the Heat. Whatever. We'll do that next week. Last night, also, Suns beat the Pelicans, 112-97. This is easy. This made sense, right? The Pelicans are crafty, and they've taken the Suns at least through four games or five games now for a little bit of a ride. I think more of a ride than a lot of people thought, especially because the Suns won 64 games this season and set all sorts of records. And Chris Paul and Devin Booker just unhinged. And yeah, even though Devin Booker is hurt, we didn't really expect the Pelicans to take the Suns to six or seven games. We'll see. Maybe the Pelicans get a win at home and this goes to game seven. Phoenix is almost most certainly going to win the series. But the Pelicans, it's an exciting team. It's always fun to see an up-and-coming team succeed and give you excitement about the future. Like, hey, maybe next year Zion comes back. He should be back now, but that's a whole other thing. You know, maybe the Pelicans will be fun. One player to shout out last night because I love him so much, Mikhail Bridges. 31 points, 12 of 17 shooting, 4 for 4 from 3 in 47 minutes. I love Mikhail Bridges. Now, I will be eating my words when hopefully the Bucks meet the Suns in the finals in about a month or so. Hopefully that's the case. We'll see. Got to get Chris Middleton back healthy. Got to dispose of the Bulls tonight, and then they're going to be in an absolute war with the Celtics. But then again, we thought the Nets would be in the war with the Celtics anyways. Well, actually, I don't. I I, I don't. I, I never believe that would go the distance. Celtics fans did. Um, but that's, again, another discussion for another time. I love Mikhail Bridges, and I want to bring that up. The game of the night last night was Wolves at Grizzlies, and I hope that we have some Wolves fans that are listening. My hope is that some Wolves fans who are living near Wisconsin or in Minnesota or listening kind of had their NBA fandom awakened in the last couple of months and weeks. Uh, My take on this game last night, the Wolves losing in Memphis in a pivotal game five. This isn't technical. This isn't educational in any way, but I think you all love it. I felt like I watched a Packers playoff game last night. (laughs) Right? Do you know what I'm talking about? I tweeted this last night. I was go grand. I feel like I had just watched a Packers playoff game. I turned off the TV or I switched it to the Suns and the Pelicans. And I felt like I had the same feeling that I've had 10 times in the last 12 years or so. Let me outline it really quickly. 
The Wolves weren't supposed to win that game. They were six and a half point dogs on the road. And yet, they got our hopes up. They led by 13 points at one point. Like, man, are they really going to do this? Wow, look at this. And then they blew the lead. And the Grizzlies outscored the T-Wolves 37-24 in the fourth quarter. And you're like, ah, here we go. They're blowing it. But then, Anthony Edwards hits a huge three to tie the game with three or four seconds left. Awesome. Here we go. We're going to overtime. And then the Wolves blow it defensively. Anthony Edwards goes for the steal. John Morant layup for the win. That's the basketball version of the 2015 division around loss in Arizona. Where the Packers had your hopes up the whole game. And then they blow it at the end. But then they make a couple miraculous plays to get it to overtime. And then they defecate all over themselves in overtime and they lose. That's basically what we watched last night. Just in basketball form. And I thought that was really funny. I've never watched a baseball or a basketball game before and thought, wow, that felt like a Packers playoff game. But wouldn't you know, it snuck up on us last night. Okay, I wanted to talk about the draft. I wanted to react really quickly to a couple of those games last night. Uh, now let's do Packers. Monday around lunchtime, I was busy hosting the Bill Michael show with Ben Kenny, and I decided to go all in on edge rusher from Purdue, George Karloftis. 22, not even a draft crush. That's just my guy. He became my guy on Monday. I said, okay, it's draft week. I got to pick a guy. He's my guy, right? And in the true spirit of the NFL draft, especially this week with guys going up and down the board with no rhyme or reason at all, it's like this week, this guy's mocked at 10. Now he's mocked at 25. Now he's a second rounder. Remember, was it the, what draft was it? 2019, 2018? Somewhere in there, the Jair Alexander draft, was that 2018? Those are stronger. It must have been... 18. Not important. The Jair Alexander draft. At one point, Josh Jackson was mocked to the Packers to be their first round pick. Got to get Josh Jackson. Hopefully he gets to the Packers. And then months later, he ended up being the Packers second round pick. Guys move all over the place with no games, really with no rhyme or reason at all. And in the spirit of no rhyme or reason at all and changing my mind and moving around, I think I need to adjust off of George Karloftis because <laughs> I don't think he'll be there at 22, which is funny. Because earlier this week, and we talked about this yesterday, Todd McShay reported that he might fall completely out of round one. Forget falling to 22 to the Packers. He might fall out of round one. This is what Todd McShay reported earlier this week. And I read you directly from Todd McShay, ESPN. Three prospects I've heard could fall out of round one. Georgia linebacker, N'Kobe Dean. Purdue defensive end, George Karloftis. And Iowa center, Tyler Linderbaum. Dean is the most likely of the trio to still be a first rounder. Reading that, I'm like, okay, linebacker, N'Kobe Dean, off-ball linebacker falling to the bottom of the first round or the second round. Okay, that makes sense. Off-ball linebackers aren't the most valuable position. You're not going to get the most bang for your buck with the draft pick. Inside linebackers, replacement level inside linebackers, pretty easy to find in free agency or veterans. I mean, the Packers found Devondre Campbell. It's a great example, right? And we talked about positional value yesterday and some of these factors, why it might make sense to take one guy who plays one position versus another. So I get... Linebacker Nicobe Dean may be sliding a little bit just because of the position he plays. Same with center, Tyler Linderbaum. He's very good. I have no doubt that he's going to be a good center in this league for a long time. But centers don't get paid that much, and they're easy to find. The Packers let Corey Lindsley go and were fine last year, and they ran through like two or three guys. You know what I mean? So if you're a competent organization, center is an easy enough position to figure out. And if you draft centers in the first round, then you can end up like the Vikings with Garrett Bradbury, right? It's not always the most solid investment of those three guys who could fall out of the first round why is a versatile big strong 
Big Ten edge rusher falling out of the first round. That's as valuable as it gets. Edge rusher is probably the most important position in football that's not a quarterback. Maybe you can make a case for left tackle or wide receiver, but you need good edge rushers. I mean, if you look at any mock draft, there's going to be three edge rushers in the top five. You have Aiden Hutchinson, you have Trayvon Walker, and you have Kayvon Thibodeau, right? If edge rushers weren't important, there wouldn't be three of them going in the top five this year, right? That that should highlight their importance and their value in the NFL. They're hard to find. They're expensive. Why would George Karloftis be falling out of the first round? Yet, that's what Todd McShay reports. Interesting. Now, last night, Albert Breer puts out a story for Sports Illustrated. This is what he said. Among the players that may be a little overhyped, Purdue's George Karloftis. Going back to the fall, I can't remember hearing many, if any people, talking about how they'd like him to be a first-round pick. And my guess right now is he won't be. It's from Albert Breer. Cap. I think that's cap. I think, I think that's a smokescreen. I think that's rumor. I think that's from somebody this week. Maybe the Eagles. They have a pick at 18. That's prime territory for Karloftis. Maybe the Vikings were picking at 12. I understand they have Daniil Hunter and Zedaria Smith, but both have had injuries to their back. Daniil Hunter is about to get expensive. Zedaria Smith is already expensive. And again, you always need more edge rushers. So I can say the Vikings taking Karloftis. I can see the Eagles taking Karloftis. The Eagles have a couple of picks. They have a pick at 15 and at 18. Who's to say they don't snag him? I don't believe for a second that George Karloftis is falling out of the first round. I would be surprised if he gets to 22. So maybe for that reason, we should we should find a new draft crush. And I don't know why I'm speaking in, in generalities. Like, we all are in on Karloftis. That's my goal. I want to move as a unit in this show. I want us all to believe the same thing and, and be pulling in the same direction, but I doubt that's it. Some of you probably want wide receivers. You might want a tackle or a guard or whatever. I really like the idea of getting a rotational pass rusher like Karloftis to be behind Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. That gives you flexibility at some point to move off of Preston Smith if you want. Right, And if there's an injury, then you have another guy. And Karloftis' biggest skill is versatility and size, meaning you can move him inside, you can move him around, and that's what they're going to be missing without Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith, the last season he was healthy for the Packers, right, two years ago, lined up inside all the time. He ate the Vikings alive on that Monday night game after Christmas, just rushing up the middle. That's the flexibility that the Packers enjoyed with Zedaria Smith. So you get Karloftis in here. Not only do you get a valuable position with some future prospects down the line, it's always good to have those guys on your depth chart and bringing talent in at important positions like edge rusher. But he could fit your plans this year. I think that's perfect. I love the idea of that. It's very interesting to compare what the reporters are saying, what the insiders are saying, because they're saying one thing on Karloftis. Falling, 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 falling. And then you look at the people who actually break down prospects, the people who do mocks of their own, the people who are sorting through these prospects and looking at measurables and potential and all that stuff, athleticism. And they're saying, bye, bye, bye. Up with Karloftis. Every mock I look at, Karloftis is going up. But the people who are talking to decision makers in the NFL claim that he's going down, down, down. I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't think Karloftis will be there at 22. I hope a man can hope but I'm not going to hold my breath. I want to talk about a couple interesting draft props I saw today, not for betting purposes, although you can make a good amount of money betting on the draft. It might not be the most electric thing in the world. You're not sitting there, you know, wanting an offense to score or wanting a defense to get a stop. 
but there's a lot of really reasonable common sense bets with the draft. Now, I'm not going to tell you what to bet and what not to bet, but we're going to look at some over-unders for the first round and some draft position bets. And the market is typically a pretty good indicator of what players might go where and how many players go in what round. And that helps us understand what the board could look like when the Packers first pick at 22, assuming they don't move up or down. Let's talk about that. A couple of draft props coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills the masses are a little upset i said to start the show i'm very excited because we're getting a new future album tomorrow night and i said future is the greatest rapper alive because he is uh and by the way gq would agree he was on the cover of gq i think last week and that was the title of the issue uh monson on twitter not a fan he tweeted me at wisco grant not a fan of that take schmidt on the north side uh, nice to see you on Twitter. Normally, you're just a talking text line guy. Uh, he says he advocates for this take. Yeah, future greatest rapper alive. This isn't hard. Let's not overthink it. We're talking draft props. Talking draft. What do you want from the Packers? What position? What player? I really want Karloftis, but that's seeming more and more like a pipe dream. The markets are trending higher and higher with him. The insiders say he's going to fall out of the first round, and I just don't buy that for a second. I don't buy much of what is said this week, and we're actually going to hear later in the show from Brian Gutekunst, I thought a really good question from the Packers beat. How do you sift through the noise this week, right? You've done all this work on your board. You've done all this scouting. And then you get to the week of the draft and you start hearing all these things that you've never heard, you've never seen before. How do you deal with that, right? And he gave a pretty good answer. We're going to do a lot of Brian Gutekunst talk in the second half of the show. Really good article. Uh, actually, UWL's website from Kyle Ferris. We're going to do that for Slow News Wednesday. Uh, Coach Andrew McGlenn going to be here from UWL's football coaching staff as well. So we're going to talk a lot about Brian Gutekunst the second half of the show. Let's talk to Hector on Alaska, 608-796-2558. What's up, Hector? What's going on? How's it going? Happy hump day. Happy hump day to you as well. I, I agree with your take on future. I'm not even going to try to argue that. Um, I'm a numbers guy. Okay. So. Just look at that. Yeah. I am excited for the upcoming uh, J. Cole album, though. Mm, so you're um, a J. Cole guy, Hector? Interesting. I am. Well, I'm all over the place, um, but I grew up in L.A., so uh, it's, it was hard to avoid the rap culture. And then I moved to Wisconsin when I got adopted, and they tried to make me listen. I think they call it country music. Polka? Oh, country. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, polka too. Do you, <laughs> we used, I used to go to weddings with my family when I was a kid, and they're like all jigging around and stuff. I'm like, what is this garbage? I can't. How do I move to this? But oh boy. That, hey, anyway. oh, oh, one second on on polka, really quickly, and then we can talk draft. I promise I won't make you endure listening to me talk about music any longer. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in my hometown of Menominee. We saw just the finest classic country band there is. They're called the Eclectic Barn Boys, and my mother tried to polka with me. Uh, on the dance floor. And I think she was a little embarrassed by me because the rest of the weekend, uh, when we were doing Easter stuff at the house, she's like, you don't know how to polka. How do you not know how to polka? And she's trying to teach me. And I'm like, I just, Hey, kids these days, they're not, they're not taught the, uh, the fundamentals of being an adult doing taxes right. and, and poking. And I'm, I, I came up short. I disappointed my mom in that way. Bummer. 
Yeah, I did have to learn how to uh, do. My mom and I danced to Fishing in the Dark Ooh. at every wedding when I was a kid. So I did learn a little bit of slowish dancing for that. But I, okay. that, yeah, the first couple weddings, she, she wouldn't allow me on the dance floor with her. So <laughs> I understand that. You're not ready. I see. Okay. Yeah. So what are you thinking about the draft? History shows defense, defense, defense. It would be smart to grab a receiver, but like I said, when you were on the Bill Michaels show, it this year is not. You don't need to sell the whole farm to try to get a receiver. I don't think. I agree. Um, that offensive line, for sure, with you losing Lindsley, it'd be smart to. Take a cent. I don't know. The Packers are so weird. That's why, as a Ravens fan, I always like draft days because we already know what's going to happen. Sure. They're going to pick up defense, a defensive lineman uh, to bulk up that interior since the dare and uh, probably a linebacker since the Darius didn't work out coming back. But and uh, and receivers. Okay. I don't. I think they'll focus on offensive line for the Ravens because what do you need a receiver for? Lamar Jackson can't throw the damn ball. Yeah. So, yeah, Packers. If if it's not offensive line and wide receiver, I would be surprised. But because of who the Packers always have been, I could see you definitely going for some defense in the first round. Which I think, as a fan base, would be disappointing. Just being married into a Packer family. Yeah. They're all like wide receiver or, or nothing. Wide receiver or nothing. But that's just not how the Packers do it. And Rodgers is going to make a receiver good if they're willing to put the time in and deal with how much of a, a baby he is. Yeah, I look, I, I agree. I agree. And Brian Goody talked about this this week about how Rodgers is involved and if they bring in rookies, right, how Rodgers is going to help with that. So that's something we're going to talk about later in the show. I, I think this year is going to be different, famous last words, uh, Hector, because the Packers really don't have a choice, right? In the past years, they could say, we have Adams, we have Lazard, we have MVS. I mean, they have Lazard, who I like, but I truthfully don't know if they have a choice of coming out of the, at least let's say the first two rounds without taking a wide receiver. I don't even think that's an option for them. They have to. Yeah. And Sammy Watkins, I've been, I've liked him pretty much his whole career. And if you look back at his numbers, the best seasons that he had in his career were with the Buffalo Bills. And you guys just brought in, um, or, wasn't it wasn't Matt LaFleur? LaFleur was with the Bills during his rookie year. Was he really? Um, Hold on. Let me look it up. I think I forget which okay, someone on your on your coaching staff what is was working with Sammy Watkins as an offensive coordinator or offensive coach of some kind during his first two years in the league. I believe it was with Buffalo. Okay. If I'm remembering correctly, those are the only two years that Sammy Watkins has been over a thousand yards. Okay. When he was young. Um, when he was young. Yeah. So I think that connection with the Packer organization will help him. Plus, Rogers is a good wide receiver or good uh, person to be throwing to wide receivers like that. But yeah, he he just wasted away in uh, Baltimore because Lamar can't throw the ball. Yeah. So I think he'll be good once he gets his feet under him and get going. I think. A lot of people are sleeping on him because of his past couple of seasons, but 
like you said, famous last words. I think he'll be over a thousand yards and real productive this year. I hope so too. And I'm actually going to look into this connection. I got to let you go, Hector. I appreciate the call. And now I know more about Hector that he hails from California and brought some of that culture with him and was introduced to country and polka. So I'm going to look into this coaching connection because I, I don't doubt you. And also, if you want to make the argument that Watkins will bust out this year, well, Buffalo is cold, Green Bay is cold. Maybe he just needs some toughness. Maybe he just needs to be hardened a little bit, although he was in Kansas City. That's kind of chilly, too. We'll, we'll workshop something, Hector. We'll, we'll draw some connections. We'll, we'll make some crazy, you know, the meme from Always Sunny where Charlie Day's got all the pins on the wall and stuff. We'll do something like that. We can do a Sammy Watkins segment before too long. Before we take this next break, let's look at some of these wide receivers because – Everyone who wants to talk Packers draft, Hector included, references wide receivers, and I think rightfully so. The Packers need wide receivers. Maybe not at 22, maybe not in the first round, but at some point, it's not really a position they can afford to miss. I would, this is my stance as of today, and it could change tomorrow or Friday, so don't hold me to it. But as of right now, at 4.29 p.m., I would take Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Drake London, Chris Olave, and Traylon Burks at 22. I sneaky kind of think Traylon Burks is going to be there at 22, but we'll see. The Sharps are not as high on him as the masses are, right? It just kind of depends. Relatively. We talked about this with Mike Renner last week. Mike Renner has Traylon Burks as like his 50th best prospect. I think it might have been 46, 47. But he had to remind me, Grant, that's still really good. That's a top 50 player in the draft, right? But maybe he's not a top 15 prospect like a lot of people make him out to be. So I would take Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Drake London, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks at 22. Other than that, uh, I don't know. Pickens at 22 is a little rich for me. Same with Sky Moore, although I'd sleep fine if they get Sky Moore at 22. I wouldn't be upset. Christian Watson worries me. Can I also go on the record and say that? He's everything the Packers look for. He's huge. 6'4", 210. Oh my God, listen to me. I hate myself. I'm doing height and weight. But he can't track the ball at all. He had 16 drops this season on 120 catchable balls. I don't want to do that with a rookie. It'd be a nightmare. Fans will get pissed and Rodgers will be asked about it and it'll be a thing. There are five wide receivers I would consider using that 22nd pick on. Wilson, Williams, London, Olave, Traylon Burks. A couple of prop bets to maybe help make the picture a little clearer. Garrett Wilson has the odds to be the first wide receiver taken, minus 110 on DraftKings this morning, plus 110 on Monday. So it's trending more and more like Garrett Wilson is going to be the first wide receiver off the board. Jamison Williams has a little momentum as well. He could go high. He's minus 130 to go under 11 and a half, right? So if, if remember, if you're not a better, and I have to remind myself of this too, which is why I talk through it, because this language isn't second nature to me like it is to a lot of people. Minus 130 means he should be going under 11 and a half, right? You're laying money if you want to take the under because the under is the supposed right side. You can lay a little money, but but make more on the plus 130 side of things, right? To go over 11 and a half. So Jamison Williams trending like he's going to be taken earlier and earlier. Garrett Wilson trending as though he's going to be the first wide receiver taken and, and becoming, you know, stronger and stronger at that point. Drake London's draft position over of 10 and a half right? Minus 170 as of yesterday. So we're thinking Drake London should be after 10. Garrett Wilson should be first and Jamison Williams should be under 11 and a half. So now it's starting to crystallize. Maybe some wide receiver needy teams. I don't know. Washington, the Jets, although the Jets in the next 24 hours might land Debo Samuel, which would take that team off the board. The Ravens are at 14. The Saints, I don't know. They're at 16. You have some teams that could just use anything like Houston, 
Uh, maybe Minnesota wants a wide receiver at 12. We'll see. But some of these draft bets, and I pulled all of these, or I pulled uh, two of those three from an article at PFF.com by friend of show Brad Spielberger. So if you want to learn more, and there's some other interesting prep bets in there as well, you can go find it at PFF.com. Uh, or DM me on Twitter. I can send you these if you're more interested in, in looking into them closer. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Uh, my DMs are open, so just hit me up there. Let's take a break. I want to talk more about the Darren Waller thing. I feel like we've we've underserved this story just a little bit. I believe it fully, and I don't believe it fully at the same time. I'll explain what I mean coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, our research department is unreal on this show. Uh, a lot of elbow grease being applied, not just from 4 to 6, but, you know, 24-7, getting our facts right. Hector in Alaska gave us a call, what was this, 10 minutes ago, thereabout, and mentioned that Sammy Watkins' last 1,000-yard season was in Buffalo, and Matt LaFleur was in Buffalo at the time. And then we're like, no, it wasn't Matt LaFleur. Who was not We were trying to figure out what assistant coach it was. Uh, we got a tweet from... Was it a text? Oh, Hector followed up with a text. He says, Jason Vrabel, Packers wide receiver coach, was the one who worked with him in Buffalo. We also got a tweet from... We were getting so much interaction today. Oh, my God. Uh, Ryan, who says, Lafleur was the OC for the Rams in 2017, and Sammy Watkins was also there. So we're just connecting Sammy Watkins and the Packers coaching staff any way we can. Also, I believe all of you. I'm not looking this up. I have no clue if Jason Vrabel was in Buffalo. I, yeah, Lafleur was in L.A. That I do know. Vrabel in Buffalo, Hector, I'll take you at your word. Uh, so hopefully the Packers can work some of that Sammy Watkins magic back into existence starting this season. Talk about the draft a little bit. If you have a draft prospect you're all in on, I like Karloftis. We were talking about some of the wide receivers. My stance of today, and I don't want to act like I know everything because I know nothing. I know nothing about the draft at all. I'm like most people, I'm just along for the ride. I'm trying to fake it and learn about these guys as we go along. I have five wide receivers that I would love at pick 22. Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Drake London, Chris Olave, and Traylon Burks. I think the only one who has a chance of being there, never say never, but I think Traylon Burks is the one who actually has a chance to be there. And of those five, he is certainly the least polished of all the products. Now, we get a tweet here from Josh, who actually screenshotted his whole mock and gave it to me. Uh, and the first wide receiver off the board for you is with the 40th pick in the second round, and you're taking Christian Watson. I'm not a scout. The one thing about Christian Watson that I don't like, I love his size, his frame, his wingspan, all of that screams Packers. He's big and strong. His drop issues. He dropped, and I pulled this number today, he dropped 16 balls on 120 catchable passes. And Josh has a follow-up tweet and says, Devontae Adams had issues with drops for a couple of years. Uh, the Packers pick young athletes with upside. They don't draft for floor. Yeah, I know, but Adams didn't have drop issues in college. Those manifested a little bit in his rookie year, and then they got a lot worse in his second year. I, I think those those issues for Adams manifested in the NFL. Those weren't core issues, and I, I could go back and look at the video from Fresno. I guess that was a long time ago. I don't remember. I don't remember him being a notoriously droppy player in college, and that's something he had to iron out. I think that was an issue that appeared his rookie year and his sophomore year. I could be wrong, though. 
If they take Christian Watson, I'll be fine. If they take Sky Moore, I'll be fine. If they take Pickens at 28, I'll be fine. But at 22, I really want them to be a little bit more selective. And now I now I feel like the the person that I've been angry at all along, the person who says, well, don't reach on a wide receiver. A couple weeks ago, I would have wanted them to reach. Now I'm, I'm not so sure. I don't want them to take a B-tier receiver with the 22nd pick. That's a really high pick. You get a really good player there. I want to talk about the Darren Waller ordeal as well. And I'd love to chat about any of these topics with you, whether it be the draft or whether it be the fact that the Packers reportedly were really close to to getting Darren Waller for like a second round pick. I almost don't believe that that's a thing, Uh, but I will give you the details and we'll talk about why that makes sense, why it doesn't make sense. First, let's chat with Ed in Madison, 608-796-2558. Ed, welcome. What's going on? Hi, Grant. Oh, Grant, um, you know, I, I heard one of the callers said he's a numbers guy. I'm a, I'm a strength in numbers guy. I like, I like having a lot of, you know, picks to maybe, maybe you'll catch a few diamonds in the rough, sort of speak. Um, I just have a question, and I think I, I already kind of know the answer, but I want to hear your take. When Devontae Adams came into Green Bay, did he come in with high draft status? Because I can't recollect. Um, because he had a kind of rough couple of years when he first got here. Yeah, um, he had. So, 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 so basically his rookie, you remember he had two great games. He was really good in the regular season against the Patriots. And then he was good in the division round against the Cowboys. But other than that, he was your rookie. He would come and go. He would make a great play. He would drop mm-hmm. the ball. I'm going to pull up the 2014 yeah. NFL draft. I want to see how many guys went in front of him. But I, I know what you're talking about. He was a run-of-the-mill yeah. rookie. A couple good games, but that was about it. And I, I don't want to fall in love with this high so-called draft pick of a wide receiver when there's a lot of growth that has to happen for a wide receiver. One, they got to get to know their quarterback. And you know how he is with new wide receivers. takes time. It might take a year. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he'll be back for more than one year. Um but, you know, that being said, I, I'd like to see him get a wide out and a defensive stud in the first round. That's my hope. I don't want to yeah. just throw all my eggs in a basket with a wide out, wide wide outs, you know, run amok. You know, I'd rather kind of shore up our defense. We're only one injury away from not having a good, really good defense. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm sitting. I, after that, I'm like, whatever. Just don't draft a punter, a kicker. <laughs> um, and quarterback <laughs> yeah yeah i think packers fans are going to be easier to please i don't think our standards are too high i appreciate the call ed so i have the 2014 draft in front of me and by the way i'm with you i would love to go defense at 22 and then take whatever is the best wide out remaining at 28 that might be george pickens maybe that's sky Moore, christian watson i don't know that seems a little rich for 28 but you never know we'll have to see how the draft falls on thursday night the 2014 draft was actually a really good wide receiver draft now remember Seven or eight years ago, wide receiver drafts weren't stacked like they are now. Something I want to talk about later in the show, I think this is the worst wide receiver draft we're ever going to see again. This isn't a bad wide receiver draft. I just don't think we're ever going to have bad wide receiver drafts moving forward. Big-time programs recruit wide receivers now. They throw the ball more now. Kids want to play wide receiver. They're playing seven-on-seven. They're catching more passes. We're We're not going to see bad wide receiver classes moving forward. I think even... Under today's standards, this would be a good class. So the 2014 draft had Sammy Watkins at four. I remember that pick thinking that was an outlier. Now, guys, go four. We'd look the other way. Mike Evans at seven, right? Ooh, Eric Ebron went seven or went 10. Remember that pick? Okay, Odell Beckham went 12th. 
stud. And then we had Brandon Cooks go 20th. Brandon Cooks has been a good wide receiver for a long time, even though he moves around and he's a meme to some degree, but he was the 20th overall pick. That's a good player. Calvin Benjamin was the next wide out at 28. Remember him? Panthers guy bumped around the league for a while. I think he's with the Browns. Not 100% sure. Marquise Lee, the Jags at 39. Jordan Matthews to the Eagles at 42. Paul Richardson to the Seahawks at 45. And then, and then Devontae Adams all the way down at 53, right behind the tight end Troy Nicholas from Notre Dame. Went to the Cardinals. Remember him? So our, our last caller, Ed, asked, what was Devontae Adams' pedigree coming out of school? What was his draft grade? Well, Ed, I don't know. I can't tell you exactly, but not good enough to get drafted in front of Paul Richardson, Marquise Lee, Jordan Matthews, or Calvin Benjamin. Couldn't have been that great, right? I'm not saying it was garbage. not saying it was bad. Like, he came out of nowhere, but it wasn't great. And I think there are guys in this draft as well. You talk about players who might be available later down. Alec Pierce at Cincinnati is a name that I've seen connected to the Packers. It just makes sense. He's their kind of player, right? So there's going to be guys later on in the draft as well. And the Packers are exploring other options to getting more weapons on the outside. I guess they tried to get Darren Waller. We touched on this just for a minute yesterday, right? And I, I kind of want to fill you in if, if you missed that portion of yesterday's show. Jeff Howe of The Athletic first did this a couple of weeks ago, very beginning of April. He's discussing the Packers and the Raiders working out an Adams deal, and I'm going to read you this excerpt. The deal nearly hit a snag when the Packers asked for a player in return. Initially, the Raiders offered their first and second in 2023. Shortly thereafter, the Packers asked for a first-rounder and an undisclosed player. It doesn't sound like the Raiders were going to accept that package, but the sides also realized such a deal actually wasn't permissible as league rules don't allow a player to be involved in a trade for another player on the franchise tag. Finally, a few days after ironing out the contract, the Raiders agreed to send the pair of picks. Okay. The, the kind of sneaky, kind of innocuous phrase that was thrown in there was they asked for an undisclosed player. And at the time, we, you know, grazed right by that. But then Aaron Nagler of Cheesehead TV adds that it was Darren Waller. I'm going to read you the excerpt from his blog post this week. According to a pair of league sources, the Packers were targeting a veteran tight end, specifically Darren Waller. Packers and Raiders have engaged in talks regarding a, a trade of Waller with an eye towards getting a deal done during this week's NFL draft. Waller is apparently the player the Packers were trying to pry from the Raiders during the negotiations around the Adams trade, a move that was nixed when both sides were reminded that league rules prohibit players from being part of a compensation, blah, 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 tag, blah, blah, blah. You get the point. So Jeff Howe got the ball rolling. Aaron Nagler then came in this week and said, actually, it was Waller the whole time, and they're still trying, okay? Now, I'm going to assume all of this is true, that all of this is true, right? The Packers did try. The Raiders were at least willing to listen, and then it couldn't happen because of a rule, but they're still trying, right? They're hearing offers. I'm going to assume all this is true, because if we don't, what's the, what are we doing here? What's the point? Part of sports, fun of sports is we suspend reality a little bit, suspend belief, so then you can have a good and fun discussion. Otherwise, we'd never talk about Russell Westbrook getting traded or John Wall, and those guys have gotten traded multiple times, right? I'm going to assume all this is true. This makes perfect sense to half of my brain, and it makes zero sense to the other half of my brain. And no matter how hard I try, I cannot combine the two halves into a scenario that makes sense. I can't. So the elements that make sense to me, both for the Packers and the Raiders, Right? There's parts of this that makes perfect sense. Packers are in win-now mode, yet they are on a trajectory to have their number one wide receiver be a rookie. It makes sense to try to get somebody else. The motivation, the motive is there, right? 
the available quote-unquote wide receivers are very expensive. Debo Samuel wants a huge deal. If McLaurin gets dealt or A.J. Brown, and I don't think they will, but if, or D.K. Metcalf, they're going to want a bag, okay? Waller's cap hit is $6 million this season and $7 million next compared to $25, $30, 20000000 for some of these other guys, right? For the Packers, it makes sense from a PR standpoint. It shows that they're trying to improve, trying to add a weapon. So if they come out of Thursday night without a wide receiver, fans can say, ah, well, tried for Darren Waller. They're going to keep trying, right? There's there's motivation. There's motive. The Packers are, are kicking it into gear, okay? And from a Raiders perspective, this also makes sense to a degree. They just extended Derek Carr. There's money tied up there. They just gave a boatload of money to Devontae Adams. There's money tied up there, right? They don't need picks or excuse me they don't they don't need to spend money they need picks right so all that makes sense there's also reasons why it makes no sense the Raiders just added Devontae Adams so why would you then go give away another talented player you're trying to compete you're trying to contend right so why trade away your tight end for all the financial reasons this makes sense for Green Bay he's cheap it makes sense to keep him for Vegas right Coward also said this yesterday I thought it was a good point Josh McDaniels is now the coach for the Raiders, he had success in New England with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. You think he wants to come into town and, and trade away a really good tight end, especially one on a cheap deal? That makes no sense to me. So this deal both makes perfect sense and no sense at the same time. I, I don't know. Regardless, I love the thinking from Brian Gutekunst. Wide receivers are getting expensive, so let's go for a tight end, right? Got to think outside the box. Classic thinking from a UWL Eagle. That's just... uh. <laughs> That's just how we're wired. Let's take a break. We'll keep talking about this. Darren Waller, Packers draft, anything else you want to chat about, give me a text or a call or a tweet at Wisco Grant. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My name is Grant Bills. We're going to have a local lacrosse hour for the second half of the show because Eau Claire, Sports Talk 105.1, and The Zone in Madison are going to switch over to the Brewers. The show is going to keep going because we've got the Bucks on locally in lacrosse on WKTY. So the show is going to keep going. If you want to listen, just go to WKTYsports.com or open up your radio app and find WKTY. It's not too hard. If you need a link or something, just DM me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Southside Geo. Need all the talent you can with those teams in the AFC West. Silly for the Raiders. I should be GM. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Gio. Thanks for the text. Dave from Middleton, 608-796-2558. Dave, what's going on? Welcome. Yeah, let's talk again. Yeah. I have not heard, I've not heard anybody mention the fact that the rule that uh, prevented Wall from being included in this trade, isn't that something that, most uh, personnel people should know about. See, I grappled with this too because that made it seem less believable, but the Packers never franchise tag guys. I mean, some some of the NBA and the NFL, some of these trade exceptions and exemptions are really weird. So maybe they didn't know. I, I don't know, but I also, that kind of makes my ears perk up and like maybe this whole thing is, it's just a leak to make it look like the Packers are trying to get a guy because I, I'm with you. A GM should know that you can't, trade a, a tagged player for a non-tagged player, right? I'm, I'm with you there, Dave. Right. The other thing, um, I'm hopeful that the Packers will realize that if you want to go all in, you're going to have to draft guys that are going to help you immediately. We can look at the, the Rams 
uh, last year, for example. They won the Super Bowl. They went all in. Mm-hmm. If we're going to go and get some of these people that are draft and develop, uh, that's not going to work, and it's not going to help, and um, hopefully that won't be the plan this year. Ideally, we can do both, right, Dave? And I appreciate the call. I'm going to have to take a break here in a minute or two, so I'm going to let you go. But thank you for the call, Dave, and it was nice to chat. It had been a while. Ideally, you can do both. And th- this is where I this is where I struggle with the wide receivers because I, I think some Packers fans, it's just so contentious to talk about wide receivers because some Packers fans have been angry for three years that they haven't drafted a wide receiver. And then other Packers fans at the other end of the spectrum, you draft for the future, you don't draft for the here and now. Hey, 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 everyone, whatever camp you're in, I'm, I'm talking to everyone here. I'm going to be the great uniter. Drafting a wide receiver for this year also helps you in the future. Right, The Packers drafting a quality wide receiver that fits their measurables, fits what they like, fits their scheme, fits their system, which is a really important part of the draft that I I think we underserve. We don't talk about enough, and that's fair. We're not football coaches, so I'm not going to get into, well, they want a split end that can run this route. I I don't know. right? But I'm I'm speaking to all the Packers fandom right now. However you feel about this very contentious topic of drafting wide receivers, it is both good in the here and now to have more wide receivers on this team – And it's good for years down the road. Because what if the Packers would have drafted, you know, T. Higgins two years ago instead of Jordan Love? And I'm not saying they should have. I'm just using this as an example. I'm not not trying to ruffle any feathers. I'm being the middleman. I'm I'm uniting everyone here. If they would have taken T. Higgins, that would have helped them years ago. Maybe it helps them advance to the Super Bowl. Maybe it helps them last year against the Niners. Or maybe not. It may have helped them, but then they would also have another wide receiver waiting in the wings when Devontae Adams gets paid a bunch of money. So it would have helped them those first two years, and it would be helping them now and helping them moving forward, especially when you see how much money some of these wide receivers are making. So however you feel about the lack of wide receivers being taken in the draft, especially in the first round, I know most of you have strong feelings. It's good for everyone. What's that quote from Joe Biden? Good for everybody. Hurts nobody. You know what I'm talking about? The economy. Right? Minnesota! <laughs> it's good for everybody. So let's not get upset about it. If you want to keep listening, we're only going to be on in lacrosse. So DM me at Wisco Grant. I'll get you a link or I'll tell you how to listen. Lacrosse, live and local. We're talking Brian Gudekinst. UWL football coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. Here's Kevin Durant, a great, great player. Hey, let me tell you something. I don't want to bad mouth the dude, but I'm, I try to tell y'all, all these bus riders... They don't mean nothing to me. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Oh, lacrosse, just you and me. Isn't this nice? Brewers taking over on some of our affiliates around the state. If you have found us on a stream... If you are a resident of Madison and Eau Claire, I'm glad to have you. Thanks for making your way over here. Now, we're not going to exclude you from conversation. I thought about it. We could have done a, uh, a bluff draft uh, with a lacrosse guest. Talked about which bluffs are best. Could have done a boat landing draft, uh, a beach draft, a bar draft, a lot of bars in lacrosse. I was thinking of going hyper local, but that's a little bit too much. I still want to keep talking about the Packers draft. Maybe talk a little bit about the Brewers before the show is over. But we're going to put a little bit of a local spin on it. Not too obnoxious. 
Uh, for Slow News Wednesday here in about 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, I want to read you some pieces from an article that came out earlier this week. It was in the Lacrosse Tribune on Wednesday, and Eric Lee tweeted it at me. I had to stop and buy it. I have it right here. Paper copy. I might hang it up in here. Uh, Kyle Ferris originally put it out at UWL's website, uwlax.edu, and it's an awesome piece about Brian Gudikin's background at UWL, how he went from a player to a coach to an intern to now, as the uh, article is titled, the leader of the pack, general manager of the Green Bay Packers. So we're going to talk about that for Slow News Wednesday and coach Andrew McGlenn, UWL football who played here once upon a time as well, not too long ago. Uh, a fantastic, outstanding offensive lineman during his playing career. Now uh, one of the top coaches at a really successful WIAC program. They're all successful. The WIAC is electric, or WIAC, depending how you say it. So we're going to talk with Coach McGlenn, one of my favorite guests here in about a half hour. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. You can find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. And if you'd like to talk... You'd like to call or text, you can, 608-796-2558. You don't have to. You can sit back and enjoy the show as well, but if you feel compelled, if you have something to say, give me a call or a text. My draft crush this week has been George Karloftis. Talked about that on Monday on the Bill Michaels Show. Really leaned into it yesterday, last night on this show. I can't decide if he's going to be there at 22. I'm feeling like maybe he's not. Now, his draft prop number two days ago was 22 and a half. So right there where the Packers would be picking. So he's been projected by the betting markets to be in that neighborhood. But we have two camps. I'm seeing and hearing two different things, right? If you listen to the insiders, the people who talk to people in front offices and in scouting departments and uh, in, in departments that make decisions, right? Insiders, your Peter Schrager's of the world, your Todd McShay's of the world. Those people would tell you that Carl Loftus has fallen out of the first round completely. And we talked about that excerpt from Todd McShay's piece. He said, three prospects coming out of round one. They're going to fall out. Georgia linebacker, N'Kobe Dean, Purdue edge rusher, George Carl Loftus, and Iowa center, Tyler Linderbaum. N'Kobe Dean is the most likely of that trio to still be a first rounder. It's like, really, Todd McShay? The off-ball linebacker is going to stay in the first round while the edge rusher is going to fall? Why is that? Albert Breer wrote this in Sports Illustrated last night, and I quote directly, and among the players that may be a little overhyped, Purdue's George Karloftis. Going back to the fall, I can't remember hearing many, if any, NFL people talking about him like he'd be a first-round pick, and my guess right now is that he won't be, which this whole idea on its face is weird. Albert Breer saying, well, last November, nobody thought he was a first-rounder. Albert, you've covered football your whole life. You know that's not how it works, buddy. So I'm reading and I'm listening to these insiders who are telling me, uh, teams, they don't like Karloftis. That tells me that all of these teams love Karloftis because all of the Sharps who break down these prospects and talk about who's valuable and who's not, Karloftis' stock keeps going up despite everyone telling me that it's going down, which stinks because I thought maybe the Packers could get him at 22 I guess I could try to find his draft prop. It was 22 and a half earlier this week. So right there with the Packers, I don't think he's going to make it. Maybe the Vikings take him at 12. The Eagles have two picks, one at 15, one at 18. It just seems like common sense to grab an edge rusher with one of those picks. I don't know. We'll have to see. Let's talk to Tim in Sparta. Tim, welcome to the show. What's going on? How are you doing tonight, Grant? I am doing swell. I'm excited to talk to somebody from lacrosse as a guest and talk about Brian Gudikinst. I'm really excited for the rest of the show. Well, 
It sounds like you got a good lineup. I got in late to the show. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will. I wanted to say I thought that you and Ben filling in for Bill, um, another good pairing, another good uh, outing for you guys. I thought that oh. was that you were really good. Um, once again, get rid of that person that I can't mention who's on directly <laughs> in front of you and after Bill. Yeah. Um, please talk to your send this tape to your management because I. I, I can't even say the guy's name, much less listen to his show. Um, I think one thing that I that I know for a fact on the draft week is if you listen to what the coaches say, the quote unquote experts talking to the coaches say, they're all lying. Yeah, every, every last one of them. If you if you hear that this guy is suddenly dropping out of the of the top. Uh, the first round, maybe one of those guys will, but the vast majority of them is just covering for everybody who really doesn't want anybody to get an inkling of what direction they're going to want to go. Yeah. So Tyler Lindemann, the the who's going to be the first center off the board, um, he's a tremendous center. Uh, got years of him in the NFL ahead of him. Uh, he's not going to fall out of the first round because the center, nobody thinks about him, but they're the guy that runs the offensive line without, uh, without a center that knows what they're doing. Your offensive line stinks. Yeah. Um, as far as Karloftis is concerned, God, I'd love to have him. Um, I'd love for him to be our first pick. Um, I don't think any of the really good receivers are going to be available. Um, at either 22 or 28, I think, the second round. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them take a sixth-round pick and add it uh, to somebody and move up in the second round to, to pick up a receiver or two. But I, I think that they're going to go defense, and I personally would prefer that they go ed, edge rusher or get themselves a big fat guy to go in the middle and move Kenny Clark over just a spot. Because if you put Clark and Gary on one side of that line, yeah, who are you going to double team? Nobody. You can't. You can't, Tim. You can't. You can't do it. You absolutely, you absolutely can't. So I think that there's enough good receivers in this draft, uh, and I think you're going to see some somebody else like Sammy Watkins become available uh, after the draft because they're going to be uh, they're going to look for that fifth-year option on these guys mm-hmm. uh, to get them for as cheap as they can for as long as they can. So, so yeah, I, if you believe anything that these experts tell you about who's dropping out of the, the that first round, uh, exactly, you're listening to the wrong. You're listening to the wrong people. But you got a great show. Um, uh, excited to listen to the rest of it. Uh, you have a very good night, and remember, remember, cribbage is the game. Yes. I love cribbage. Thank you for throwing that in there at the end, Tim. And thank you for, uh, for your compliments. I'm glad you were able to enjoy us on Bill's show. I know you don't like Rome. Uh, if you called into Rome with that take, this is what you'd hear. What a terrible call from Tim. Tim and, Tim and Sparta? Is that what I heard? Sparta? Ha! Funny name for a town. Sounds more like a ancient Greek city, if you ask me. 
And speaking of Greek, the Greek freak 2.0, George Karloftis, 22 to the Packers. Love that pick. Love that pick for Green Bay. The Greek freak. Ha! Take him. Brian Gutekunst, Gutenkunst, whatever your name is. Let's go back to the phones. Jason. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, Grant. Nice uh, Romy <laughs> reference on the uh, bad call. Love thank it. you. Thank you for bailing me out, by the way. I couldn't have done that for any longer, That's so awesome. thank you for calling. <laughs> That's good stuff. I was enjoying it. I don't know, Tim and Sparta, we understand you don't like Rome, man. I mean, you don't have to say it every time you call in. I, <laughs> I mean, are you... I, Rome, is, Rome is his own thing. Like, this is what you, this is what right. you realize about it's sports polarizing. talk. Yeah. Rome is his own thing. Yeah. I, I know we all think, like, every sports talk, like, I like this sports talk, so I want everyone to be like that person. It's not the case. Everyone's right. really different. I don't, I don't, like, listen to a ton of Rome. That's because I'm working. He's just, he's a different style. So I get it. Tim, Tim Absolutely. doesn't like, he Absolutely. should call Rome. Get in, he, they love when callers right. beef with Rome. He should call Rome. It'd be funny. <laughs> they love it. I think he's just, I think he's just upset. Rome's worth 40 million. And he's worth 40 grr. I'm, ups, I'm upset about that. Can I go on the record for saying I'm <laughs> also are. upset about that? <laughs> <laughs> Me too. That's awesome. Oh That's God. awesome. Good stuff. Looking forward to the draft. I think you guys will make some big plays there. I think so too. Are you not a Packer fan, Jason? You, 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 you. I am not. I'm actually, I'm actually, unfortunately, a Dallas Cowboy fan. Okay, so the Dallas Cowboys. I got the draft order in front of me here. Where are the Cowboys picking? Cowboys. Why can't I find it? All the way back at twenty. Oh yeah, that's right. Because the so I get, I get a little confused, and I, and I need to remind myself the Packers' twenty-second pick. That's from Vegas. So the Packers would normally pick in twenty-eight. So the Cowboys are down in the twenties. What do you, what do you think? What are you hearing about your Cowboys? Who are they into? I don't know. I haven't even looked. I'm pretty upset with the Cowboys. I'm into basketball right now and baseball, to be honest with you. Why are you upset with your Cowboys other than always losing in the playoffs? I don't know. Jerry Jones, for one. Yeah, I suppose. You like McCarthy? We can bond over McCarthy. not my prime. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, McCarthy's terrible, too. It's just it's a disaster. Yeah, I'm a big NBA fan and a big basketball fan, so I'm into that right now. Me too. Bucks going to win tonight? Yes, they're going to close it, no doubt about it. Yeah, I'm with you there. I don't. I, I'm going to go out to Wings with a buddy, and I don't like watching games at a bar. I will watch this game at a bar because <laughs> right. I'm not really that worried about it. No, I'm not either. Bucks all day. Bucks all day. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, it's going to be fun. The Bucks Celtics series is going to be fantastic, though. <clears throat> I think so too. I want Middleton back, even with Middleton. Me I too. wouldn't mm-hmm. feel. It's not that I feel bad about the Bucks chances. The Celtics are really good. And I'll, like, I'll admit it, the they Celtics are. are really good. And earlier in the year, I did not think they so. Are. But they are. They're a wagon. They they're really good. They're good, dude. They're good. Uh, <laughs> and I, I've always hated Grayson, but, God, I'm starting to like the kid. <laughs> I got over it. <laughs> dude, I got over it so quickly. Like, the first month right. of the season, I was like, oh, this guy can hit threes and do what we need him to do. All right, he's one of my favorite players now. Yes. It's that simple. Yes. He's solid, man. Solid. <laughs> All right. All right, Grant. Well, you have a good evening. Keep up the good work. <laughs> you as well, Jason. That is uh, Jason and lacrosse. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. Jim Rome catching strays on today's Wisco Sports Show. See, Caliendo had it best with Rome. If you're like anyone could do a Jim Rome impression because Caliendo, Caliendo did it so well, and then he explained how you do it. You just need four-syllable words, and you just need to emphasize the syllables really well. 
Like, I think Caliendo's word that you always go to, arugula, just terrible, horrible. Rome's not that hard to do. Uh, I don't think I could do it for very long, though. Rome is catching strays. I, and to be fair, I am also upset that Jim Rome is worth all that money. I don't think Tim is, I don't think Tim is alone in that. Uh, I would also like to be worth $40 million. Maybe I just have to have more of a shtick to my show. That's a terrible call. That's a, ter- that's a terrible call from Jason. Uh, Brian Gutekinds, really quickly. Uh, we don't have time for all of these cuts. Maybe we'll circle back. Coach Andrew McGlenn from UWL Football is going to join us here in about 15 minutes. And I want to share with you just a couple of excerpts from this piece that just came out about Gutekinds at UWL. And I would suggest you read it. Kyle Ferris put it out this week. It's at UWL's website, free to read. You can catch it in the Trib, too. I bought a Trib. I know they're technically our competition, uh, but I had <laughs> I had Eric Lee from the Trib tweeted at me. I was like, okay, well, then I got to spend a couple bucks. It's fine. I might hang it on the wall and hear it. It looks pretty cool. Brian Gutekunst on this topic of Karloftis, raising, lowering, high, low in the draft. We can't figure out. Maybe it's all rumors, and Gutekunst was asked earlier this week, how do you handle rumors and smoke screens the week of the draft? Uh, that was really annoying, you know, because you'd, you'd done all this work and you felt really confident. Uh, still, you had to do the due diligence because there are things that do pop up late. But I think you got to trust your work. You know, Ted and Ron, everybody, we always have a saying in the draft room, let's know what we know and know what we don't know. And you have to be honest about that when you're in there. And if there's things you don't know, you don't know. And you have to be able to move on and pass if you don't know. I like that expression. And he said, know what you know and know what you don't know. So basically self-awareness, right? Don't try to act like you know something you don't, right? Knowing what you know is very important. Knowing what you don't know, also very important. Self-awareness, a very important trait. Let's get one or two of them in here. Let's see. Uh, Wide receiver. Do we want to do wide receivers or Aaron Rodgers? I'd flip a coin, but I don't. Normally there's one on the desk. I don't see one. Let's do wide receivers. Let's forget Aaron Rodgers for today. We'll have time to talk about him. Brian Gutekunst asked about this wide receiving class. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good receiver class, and I think it's, it's uh, the last few have been you know, pretty deep, and I think this one is another one. I think it's a product of just kind of how these players are coming up through high school and college, you know, how much more they're throwing the ball in college, and then certainly the, you know, I think seven-on-seven seven and some of the flag football you know, youth leagues, these guys have been catching and, and throwing for such a long period of time now maybe than when I first started scouting. We're never going to have a bad wide receiver class ever again. Ben Solak of the Ringer. I'm not saying he beat me to the punch, but he put out a video this afternoon after I'd kind of prepped the show saying, we'll never see another bad wide receiver class. I was like, damn it. I hate it when people beat me to takes. I get upset by it. If I talk about something on this show and then I see it on a TV show or hear it on another show a week later, I get very upset, by the way. I get triggered. I will never admit that on this show again, but this one time I will bring it up. That is something that sets me off. When I say something and then I have to hear it on someone else's show a week later, I feel like I beat them to that. I should own that. Like, you should be able to trademark takes or, like, watermark takes. We're never going to have a bad wide receiver class again. It's just not the direction that the sport is moving. Maybe when football changes completely and it looks different and we're in a different era, sure. But in this iteration of modern football, which I don't think is changing drastically anytime soon, we're never going to see another bad wide receiver class ever again. Brian Gutekunst also says, I'm upset. I don't like that you guys keep saying there aren't any wide uh, receivers on this roster that are established. Randall's been very established in this offense, and he's you know been around with Aaron for a long time. Um, you know, certainly, Allen's been here for a few years now too. So we've got some guys that are established, and Sammy's had obviously not he hasn't been here, but um, he's been in the league for a long time. But Aaron's going to be heavily involved in the development of not only players that are in our building right now, but certainly whoever we bring in. Interesting. 
When we get on the other side of the draft, whether that be Friday or next week, we can talk more about the process of acclimating a wide receiver, Aaron Rodgers maybe helping that wide receiver. We can talk about that and cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, I got to see proof that they take a wide out first because if recent history is any indication, even that isn't the safest bet in the world. Coming up next, Looney's Wednesday. I want to read you a couple of quotes from this really awesome article Kyle Ferris put out about Brian Gutekunst and his humble beginnings at UWL. It's awesome, and I want to share with you a couple of the highlights. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Grant Bills, Twitter at Wisco Grant. I tweeted out about 13 minutes ago a link to listen. Now, if you're hearing this, you're already listening, so I don't know why I'm telling you. But we're only on in lacrosse until 6 o'clock because Madison and Eau Claire, they've dropped us for the Brewers. It's fine. I get it. Their nights I'd rather listen to the Brewers than listen to myself as well. I also, in this tweet, uh, tagged the guest that will join us here in about 10 minutes. That's Andrew McGlenn, coach. UWL football, offensive line, recruiting. He's all over the place, and he's one of my favorite people. I just really like talking football with him. Um, And we're going to talk draft, and we're going to talk Brian Gutekunst, uh, who is like Coach McGlenn, like myself, a UW lacrosse eagle, played football there, which got him to the Packers, which got him an internship, which got him eventually, after moving around the league a little bit, to now being the general manager of our Green Bay Packers. And he's got his, what, fourth draft tomorrow night, I believe? Fourth draft? Yeah, because he had Jair, then Jordan Love, then Eric Stokes, and now tomorrow, two picks in the first round. So we're going to talk a little bit about that with Coach McGlenn and whatever else comes up. We'll do that in about 10 minutes. Text and call if you'd like, 608-796-2558. Until I hear from you or from Coach McGlenn, we are going to take a look at and read just a little bit from this piece, which dropped at uwlax.edu you can find it in the lacrosse tribune it's a really awesome piece by kyle ferris and we're going to look at it for this week's slow news wednesday this is slow news wednesday on the wisco sports show thank you zach that is the voice of our esteemed leader uh our official voice zach heilprin of the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. There's a couple pieces to this piece. The intro, which I love, kind of hangs the frame for the whole thing, and I'll read that to you in a sec. Talks about his origin story, coming to lacrosse, his time playing at his lacrosse, coming back to get his degree, and now what he's done with the Packers since. This piece is awesome, and I 10 out of 10 recommend you read it. But I want to read you a couple of my favorite quotes. This is how the article starts. Kyle brings the noise with this. And I'm going to read it in not an overly dramatic voice, but I'll play it up a little bit. In 1994, a shoulder injury seemed to spell the end of Brian Gutekind's time with the UW lacrosse football team. Coach Roger Herring had other ideas. Quote, it was evident my career as a player was over. I was thinking about transferring to a school in North Carolina so I could be closer to family, Gutekind says. Coach Herring told me I wasn't leaving, that I owed him. So I came back to help him coach and recruit. It was the biggest turning point in my life. Herring's encouragement and Gudikin's loyalty paid major dividends, some of which continue to be seen nearly three decades later at the highest level of the sport. 
The Eagles went 14-0 in 1995, a dominant season capped by a 36-7 route of Rowan University in the NCAA Division III National Championship game. Gudikins thrived as a coach and recruiter, cultivating skills that led to a scouting internship with the Green Bay Packers and ultimately his rise to general manager. Can I just say, I have limited time in my day. I don't like to read more than I have to. I like reading to learn and I like reading things that interest me, but I... I don't often wake up in the morning and say, hey, I want to read for the next three hours, right? But when I do, if you can grab my attention to start an article like that, you've done it. Kyle Ferris, well done. Appreciate your work, brother. Oh, I loved this article. And it's not overly wordy. It's like a 10-minute read. God, really awesome piece. Uh, Let's go to the phone, 608-796-2558. Bob in Norwalk. Bob, what's going on? Hey, Hi, you remember me, huh? Yeah, I did. You came in a lot of energy there. You almost scared me, Bob. What's going on? <laughs> well, I just, you know, you're talking about the draft and stuff. Yeah. I, I have a special agent up in Green Bay. Okay. He's pretty secret. He doesn't like to let, he doesn't let too many people know that their, his name and stuff. Okay. That's fine. You don't need to out him. Number, number one draft choice for the Packers is going to be a water boy. Well, it's better than a long snapper or a punter, I suppose. If he can keep guys from getting injured, it maybe not be the worst well, investment the Packers have ever made. But it's got to be a special water boy because it's got to be one that can kneel down before Aaron Rodgers. Here, you got to take your drink so you can clear your system. Oh, so a cleanse water boy. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Uh, so it's got to be a special one. Okay. To keep, keep Rodgers happy. Do you think Rodgers would prefer that to a wide receiver? So let's take a a cleanse boy at 22 and a wide receiver at 28, and Aaron Rodgers would be a happy, happy man. Happy. Happy man. Okay. Got a good show going. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you, Bob. Well, I appreciate the call. Uh, A cleanse boy. You know, it's not bad, Bob. That's a pretty good setup. I can't rip you for that. We're in the middle of talking about Brian Gudekinst, and we got more time to talk about Brian Gudekinst. Uh, if that was not such a well-crafted uh, little trip that you just took us on, maybe I'd be upset about taking that call, but I am not. Uh, back to the back to this piece. Uh, Brian Gutekind's origin story, coming to lacrosse. That's the heading. Um, this is a cool part of the story as well, and I now read. <clears throat> Working in Minnesota in the late 80s and 90s, the older Gutekind's, this is his father, who's a coach at Minnesota, had taken notice of a Division three powerhouse just across the Mississippi River. When his son expressed interest in playing college football, UWL was a natural fit. Quote, my dad knew Coach Herring vaguely and knew about the program. They had a ton of success, Gudikins remembers. I drove down there one day and met with Coach Herring. It was my first time in lacrosse in the summer, and it was beautiful. From that moment, I was hooked. Ah, we've all experienced that. My first time in lacrosse was in the winter, and I barely remember it. Uh, Not that lacrosse is horrendous in the winter. Lacrosse is a average floor but super high ceiling. Like, lacrosse in the winter is no worse than any other town. I guess it's a little windy. You know, Stevens Point, Madison, Eau Claire. Uh, maybe if you go up to Superior, like that, that floor is a little bit different. The floor in the winter for a town like lacrosse is just about the same as the rest of the state, but the ceiling in the summer, oh, if you've never been to lacrosse in the summer, you, you got to go. And I loved reading that part of the story, knowing that he got to town and said, yeah, this is where I want to be. Now, he came back to school years later to get his degree in 2016. And I read, Gudikinst reached out to UWL in 2016, hoping to change that. 
He never got his degree. UWL worked at the Packers to create an internship within the framework of Gutekunst's then role as director of player personnel. The 560-hour internship required Gutekinds to submit timesheets and quarterly reports tracking his progress, something that could have seemed beneath someone of his professional experience. Quote, uh, this is Guy Hurling, Academic Services Director for the College of Science and Health. Quote, I've had conversations with people looking to finish their degree where they say, this is a hassle. Do I really need to jump through these hoops? Can I get credit for work I've already done? Brian was a class act throughout the entire process. He was willing to do whatever it took, which was impressive because of his high-ranking position with an NFL franchise. By December 2016, Gudikinst had completed his internship and received his degree. That moment was heavy with meaning, he says, for several reasons. This is the final quote, and then we got to take a break to get to Coach McGlenn. It was very important to my mother. It meant a lot to her, Gudikinst notes. It meant a lot to me, too. The time I spent at UWL with Roger and Roland and everyone else was very influential for me. To earn my degree and make that a more permanent thing, that was really special. It was really cool. Read the rest of this article. It'll be more entertaining, more informational, and it'll give you a better feeling than any mock draft you do in the next 24 hours before the draft. Go read it. UWLAX.edu.com. You can find it at the Trib or just look up Brian Gudikins. Click news on Google. We all know how the internet works. Let's take a break. We're going to get Coach at UWL. Coach Andrew McGlenn. He'll join the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Talking Packers draft. Brian Gudikins. A lot of lacrosse talk this hour. Uh, Madison and Eau Claire, our affiliates, they've uh, they've left us for the Brewers. Uh, but WKTY, we got the Bucks pregame. They don't play until later tonight, so we're able to keep the show going. And I thought, why not uh, lean into the lacrosse crowd a little bit? Talk about Brian Gudikins and his beginnings, his humble beginnings uh, in lacrosse. And why not have one of my favorite guests? UWL football coach, recruiting, offensive line. He's just one of my favorite people to talk to about football and about life, really. Coach McGlenn, thank you for joining the show, Coach. What's going on? Grant, good to hear you, man. It's, uh, it's been a little bit, but it's always good to talk to you. Yeah, it's good to connect. I, you know why I love talking to you? This is going to sound uh, like a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I love talking to you because in the best possible way, you make me kind of feel dumb. Like, you, you always knock me down a peg. It's like, okay, I actually don't maybe know what... I think I know. Do you try to have that effect on on students and players? Is that your intention? You don't talk down to people, but I always, after a conversation with you, think, okay, I'm not so sure about the things that I thought I was so sure about. Well, I think it should be about perspective, and I may provide a different perspective. I certainly have more experience than you do just because of age. Yeah. That might give me a leg up on some things. <laughs> um, it shouldn't be what I say is correct. It should be take what I say and then really dive into the details of why and then determine your own opinion. So I, you know, we, we go back to our theory of coaching class and not everybody should coach exactly like me. It should fit your personality. And I, I firmly believe that in almost everything. So you have to be genuine to who you are and to determine that that's the fun part about this whole thing. So we were messaging about the draft just a little bit this morning. Um, and with you putting so much time in in the fall at UWL and obviously doing your job teaching as well as coaching, like you're busy in the fall. So you can only watch so much college football and I'm not the world's biggest college football fan. I'm trying to cover UWL games and do other things. And I tend to watch a little bit more NFL just because the Packers, I don't know, a little bit bigger deal than the Badgers. And I know listeners in Madison probably wouldn't always agree with that, but I I try to figure out how to talk about the draft and, and how to break it down. And I can't know 250 prospects and what they're good at and, 
And you told me this morning something that I thought was interesting. A lot of the discourse around the draft is a little bit overblown because especially people who don't coach or work in football, we can't begin to understand fit, right? To people who are in draft rooms and and who are in charge of teams, and you probably think about this in recruiting too, a player that's great for one school might not be great for you, right? Can you maybe speak to how the layman doesn't quite understand fit and the role that it plays for coaches or, 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 you know, front offices who are trying to acquire talent? Yeah, I, th- I think the really easy one to understand comparatively would probably be based on your defensive front. Mm. So if you're going to play an odd or a 3-4 defense, the, the guys that are playing the interior have to be a little bit different body type, maybe not as explosive, maybe a little bit bigger, maybe longer uh, to be able to suffice where they can play two gaps at the same time and help help clear those things out. Um, then when you take, you know, when you take an even front, maybe playing or a 4-3 as people would like to see it, or 4-2, however you're, however you're configuring that thing. Yeah. You may have guys that are a little more explosive looking to penetrate, get up field. Depends on your system, really, and, and those things can be changeable. The, the one that sticks out really easily for, for Packer fans a while back would be, would be Peppers. And Peppers was a prototypical 4-3 defensive end. He was able to move and be that outside linebacker in the hot front under Capers. And, and then he, he goes back and finishes his career with Carolina, uh, going back to playing that, that end position. So sometimes you get guys that are, are uh, able to do both, but you know we're also looking at a number one draft pick and a guy who's going to have a bust in Canton. So uh, not everybody can, can fit those systems. Um, you know, you'd, if you look at, like, the Rams, you'd really hate to see Aaron Donald two-gap when you can have that guy vertically penetrate and use his skill set to the best of ability. So to have him play in, a, in an odd front just wouldn't fit that as well, even though none of us are going to dispute that Aaron Donald is <laughs> a tremendous talent, generational, really. So he's, he's a system lineman? Is that what you're saying? He's a system lineman? He only works because of the system I, he's in? I, I, would, I would absolutely not say that okay. at all. And, and, you know, when we look at the draft, why did that guy not go as high as he probably should have? Because of the measurables, what, what we all say people have to be. But when you look at this, whether it's looking at recruiting or looking at a draft or free agency, you have to you have to have certain things. I won't. I don't want to recruit offensive linemen that are under six foot, unless the other aspects can make up for the lack of length. And we certainly would say that Downs' explosiveness uh, does that. All right, I got you. And we're talking with Coach McGlenn, UWL football. I just like having him on to to talk about whatever we've talked. Obviously, this week about Brian Gutekunst. He's going into, I believe, his fourth draft with the Packers. Now, I could be missing one, but I believe it's four. Uh, Kyle Ferris, and, and you tweeted out this article, too, I saw earlier this week, an awesome piece on UWL's website. It was in the Trib uh, yesterday as well. You were tweeting about it, like I said, and, and we've talked previously about Goody and his time at UWL and your run-ins with him. You have always used the word humble or, or talked about how his humility is the thing that sticks out. Can you tell me more about that and, and maybe your encounters with him and why that stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, certainly the guy's tremendous his job, in my opinion. And I, I think if you can look at it, um, despite who you want them to draft or whatever, uh, I don't think you can argue with how that roster's been put together. Yeah. Um, but in reality, if he didn't have that chest and he was just um, just hanging out, you would never know. He, he doesn't define himself by his job. He certainly takes his job seriously, wants to be great at it, but 
he's just confident enough in himself to where whether he's the GM of the Green Bay Packers or not, that doesn't define his quality and his characteristics. And it just really stands through. I mean, we I was out to dinner with him a few years ago over in Green Bay, you know, and he's talking about picking kids up from school and just sounding like a normal guy. And it wasn't about, you know, trying to manage a billion-dollar uh, program like he is. And I think that that way could probably get down on you. And, and I think you could figure that you're more important than other people, but that's just simply not who Brian is. And I think he understands because of who he is, has allowed him to start as a scouting intern and work him, work himself up to the top level that you can get in his profession, which is really remarkable. One of 32 guys in the world that, that does what he does. Uh, and he's going to draft tomorrow yeah. night. And I'm excited to watch. I, the funny thing is you talk about how he's humble and, and his humility. I think that trait maybe was the most important trait the last two seasons because I think a general manager maybe with a bigger head or with a little bit more of an ego maybe wouldn't have taken too kindly to what was going on with Aaron Rodgers and and maybe, you know, wanted to put a stop to that or, or prove that it's his team. And I'm sure maybe if you could give him a truth pill, Goody had a lot of headaches and, and a lot more work because of what happened with Rodgers. But I think it's that trait of, of humility and, and the fact that he's humble where he was able to almost submit a little bit and and maybe publicly take some flack to ensure that this all-time great quarterback stays with his team, which is in the best interest of, of him, obviously, as a general manager. And, and over over long term, it's played out pretty well in terms of last year and how it's moving forward. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's really – it would probably be really easy to get very emotional and – around titles and all these other things but uh, I think because of because of who he is and how he can handle those things you saw a tremendous uh, resolution to the situation I know that Packer fans are still very disappointed about what happened against San Francisco but uh, boy I, I would I would say if you look at what that record's been not a lot of people would turn that in for another chance at something else that's been pretty outstanding in my opinion no, they just need to execute. They need to play a little bit better in these big games. And I was reading at the very end of this piece on Brian Gudikins, he's talking about like, yeah, we've been right there. You know, we just need to kind of put the final puzzle pieces together. And that's not even to say that he said my players and coaches need to pull it off in the biggest moment, which probably me, an emotional fan, that's probably what I would say. Um, but Brian Gudikins sure. certainly not going to say that. Yeah, I think they need to play better in big games. I think the roster has been good enough at least the last two years, and they just they haven't been able to um, to get it done. Two parts to this Brian Gutekind's piece that I want to ask you about, and then I can let you go. I don't want to keep you too long. Mm -hmm. um, Brian, at the beginning of this this piece, they talk about how he was considering after his injury transferring closer to North Carolina, to home, right? He wasn't going to play. And yeah. that didn't happen because, and this is quoted from the piece, Coach Herring told me I wasn't leaving, that I owed him. So I came back and helped him coach and recruit, and that was the biggest turning point in my life. There's there's a joke in here somewhere to be made about kids these days and the transfer portal and, and how things are different now. Like maybe this wouldn't happen. But I, I just thought that and obviously that that quote from the great late Roger Herring seeing something in Brian, I thought that was pretty cool. No doubt. And, and I think the portal maybe get over gets overblown a touch grant just because it's so visual. But yeah, you look back at those teams that Brian was coaching with and a lot of those teams were built on transfers. It was just it was just done in a different way. It wasn't. It wasn't where media got a hold of it at the same time that it was. It was just kids reaching out and, and those type of things. So, uh, you know, kids these days, kids are kids, and they just have they just have different environments they're in, but they're still going through developmentally similar things. Um, and, and yeah, the, the, that quote did stick out to me about Coach Brian Odom. 
I would tell you that there's layers to that. It wasn't that co-chairing was um, saying that in any sort of selfish way. Oh, yeah. It was probably more of a forceful nudge to, to, to lean on Brian and say, hey, I, I think you have a chance to do something. Did he, did he think that the guy was going to be an NFL GM someday? Well, probably not, <laughs> I would guess. I will never know yeah. at this point. But whether that just led to Brian completing a sports management degree and having a better experience and whatever that could have taken taken yeah. to be. It could have been a Northwoods League commissioner for all we know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's about maybe sometimes with, with college students that, that they can't see their potential. And a guy like Roger Herring developed so many people over three decades that at that point of his career, I bet you had a pretty special knack for that, of seeing what talent and potential. Yeah, that was a really cool quote from Roger Herring. And no, I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to make it sound like. like no, I, I don't think it was forceful. I don't, I don't think it was anything like that. But that's sometimes what leaders, coaches, parents, teachers do. It's like sometimes you need a little force. It's like no, 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 no. You're not. You're not going anywhere, man. You're too good at this. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about. This is maybe my favorite part, and I'm biased because I love living in lacrosse. Uh, talked about Brian's first trip. His dad was working in Minnesota, so he came down to visit Lacrosse, which is a powerhouse at the time. And the quote is, I drove down there one day and met with Coach Herring. This is my first time in Lacrosse in the summer, and it was beautiful. From that moment on, I was hooked. Do you get that from recruits a lot? You're obviously really involved in recruiting. Uh, do you get that from recruits? Do you remember your first time coming into Lacrosse? Yeah, you know, my first time in Lacrosse, actually, my dad was a, was a beer distributor out of Beloit, Wisconsin. So nice. I used to come up to see Lacrosse, picking up special export and an old style from Ireland. And <laughs> I have memories of having breakfast at Marges. We would park the truck right in front of that old elementary school and, and go to Marges for breakfast. And then I always wanted to go to Riverside Amusement, but with a 48 foot trailer, there was no way to really get back there <laughs> and no time because we had to get to Milwaukee and Beloit. So I had those memories, but I still remember visiting here. I still have an impactful relationship with the, with the player that was, was with me that day. Uh, and you think about those sliding door moments, and what I would tell you, Grant, is, is you know, I've been coaching here for almost a decade now. I've had one kid tell me he doesn't like our campus. He thought the buildings were too close to each other. <laughs> and I said, that's okay. We're not going to be able to fix that. Yeah, I don't sorry. have that much power. <laughs> um, but we, it's pretty impactful to have kids see our community and see our campus. Um, you know, and it's, and it's not really even that pandemic-related. We haven't been on the road going to high schools for three years here now. And I know some people think that's complete blasphemy. Yeah. But what we have right now is we have class of 23 kids. We have 12 of them coming in a week and doing visits so they can see our facilities, so they can see our campus. And we're intentionally doing these during the school year so they can get the energy and the feel for what it actually is like on a Tuesday, Thursday, Friday in lacrosse. Yeah. And, uh, Trust me, when I left here and I was out in Nebraska working working at Division II school for graduate school, every school we went to was a new place for me. And what I looked for was what places are like lacrosse. And um, in my opinion, a very biased one, yeah. there's not a lot that have those characteristics. There's some that are similar. Grand Junction, Colorado, beautiful place. But, I mean, I, I did a road trip a few years ago, and there's – Lacrosse has more to offer some than Big Ten, Big Twelve schools. It's it's really remarkable in that type of way. 
it's a cool place. The buildings are, they, they are mighty close, but then you don't have to walk outside as much. It doesn't take you as long to get to class. I never thought of the buildings being too close. That's that's interesting. I'm going to I'm gonna write that one First down. That's the only time I've heard of that, Grant, so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not overly concerned about it. Well, yeah, I was going to say, if you have somebody else come through with that same concern, then maybe you'll have an answer ready, but I don't. Man, that's interesting. That's funny. Hey, Coach McGlenn, yeah. I, I appreciate you. Enjoy the draft. Take some time to watch it, because I know you love football, but because of your job, you, you hardly get to watch, so... Thank you for coming on. I have on. plenty of downtime this time of year, so don't worry. Nice. All right. Enjoy the draft, uh, and thanks for coming on. It was nice to connect. Nice to hear from you. Uh, thanks, Grant. Coach McGlenn, UWL Football. Find him on Twitter. I just tweeted uh, with his handle. I want to make sure I got it right. It's just Andrew McGlenn, uh, but you can find my tweet at Wisco Grant if you want to track him down. Coach Wench. Coach Wench and I never see eye to eye on sports. Uh, and it's always polite back and forth, but we just never agree on anything. He texted in and said, had the pleasure of coaching at Central with Coach McGlenn. Great coach, better man. I agree. I love Coach McGlenn. Uh, never played for him because I, I never played football, ever, let alone at college. Um, but had him in class, wanted to track him down as a guest on the show once or twice. And now he uh, he's nice enough to make some appearances, so we thank Coach for his time. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, last couple of minutes. My name is Grant Bills. Big thanks to Coach Andrew McGlenn for jumping on, talking about the draft. Brian Gudikins, beating lacrosse. Normally, I wouldn't lean into talking about lacrosse so much, but we're only on in lacrosse right now. The Brewers game has taken over on a couple of our affiliates around the state. The Zone, Sports Talk 105.1. About the Brewers really quickly, and I'm I'm going to throw this out here before the show is done because I I want this on paper because I know this is going to come up next week. Um, probably later next week. Although with the Celtics and the Bucks, maybe it won't. I, I, I have one Brewers take, and I just want to get it out there. We can get a head start on this because this is going to become a thing at some point, and I've been putting it off until now. Let, let's just do it. Aside from the Bucks about to take on the Celtics, we think after beating the Bulls tonight in the NFL draft, something that I was thinking about with the Brewers earlier today, their offense is bad right now. Water is wet. Grass is green. Sky is blue. Um, last night, their offense had a field day, especially Willie Adamas, and just about everyone got involved, except for Christian Yelich. He had no hits. He had a terrible night. Have you ever, this is a video game analogy, but have you ever played Call of Duty and you're playing with your friends and... As a team, you just go off and you smoke the other team and everyone's getting kills, bringing in kill streaks, chopper gunner, AC-130, you know, napalm, whatever. And then you're just struggling. Like all of your teammates are going off, racking up kills, getting awards, getting kill streaks, having a great time, and then you just can't do anything right. That's how Christian Yelich must have felt last night. And I hope he didn't dwell on it too much because the team won and the offense looked better as a whole. He, however, stunk um, and kind of continues to stink. He's hitting under 200. Now... I know what's going to happen because I've been doing this job for a couple of years. Uh, I know what what is going to come up next week and the week after. People are going to start calling if they haven't already, and they have. I've seen you. People are going to start calling for Yelich to be moved down in the batting order. Right? Move him down. Take him out of the three spot. Council could do that. Sh- sure. And maybe he should. Maybe it would be better on night-in, night-out basis for the Brewers to move him down, get him out of the three spot because he's not producing, and put someone else there. Put Rowdy Telez there. Put Adamas there. Put, put whoever there. I don't care. Maybe you're right. Maybe move him down. But that doesn't solve the problem. The problem for this Brewers team, problem for this Brewers offense, and a problem that will not be solved no matter where you put him in the lineup, is two years ago, the Brewers had an MVP. They had an MVP like Freddie Freeman, 
And an MVP like Bregman or Correa, like the Astros had in the playoffs, like Bellinger in 19, they had that guy. They no longer have that guy. And I don't want to be Mr. Doom and Gloom and kill the vibes here, because uh, I know the show is almost over. We're going to go about our night and watch the Bucks and the Brewers. I don't mean to kill the vibe. But that problem's not getting solved by moving Yelich down in the order. Yelich is still going to stink and still not be the player the Brewers need him to be. They will still win the division because, if you haven't noticed, this division is terrible. It's so bad. The two worst teams in baseball might be in the Brewers division, and the Cubs stink too, right? They need an MVP to win in the playoffs. Yelich needs to be that guy. And if he's not, I'm not saying we're screwed, but... The problem of Yelich not being an MVP is not getting solved by moving him down in the lineup. It's moving the problem elsewhere. And night in and night out in April, that might be good. But the problem will remain in the playoffs where it's remained the last two years when the offense has gone quiet. Hey, enjoy the Brewers game tonight. Enjoy the Bucks and the Bulls. Draft is tomorrow. I'm on vacation. Dave Carney will have you. I'll be back on Friday starting at 4.